Friends, I have got some great news for you today. And I know, I know, it's the resurrection, golf clap, right? What is, what is the resurrection all about anyway? Yay for Jesus, he got out of the grave, hooray! Is that it? Is that what the Resurrection Sunday is truly all about? Why would anyone get so excited about that? It's like being at the, you know, the elementary school kids are in first grade and they're doing gymnastics and one particular child fell in the right direction. Oh, good job, good job. I mean, we don't really have any exciting about it. But I have got some great news for you here today. The fact that Christ rose from the dead is far greater. The significance of the fact that Christ rose from the dead is far greater than you can imagine. And we're going to unpack it for you here this morning. So I want to encourage you to take your copy of the scriptures and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you happen to forgot your Bible here today, you don't have one, we got a good guy back here. He's got an arm full of Bibles. Lift your hand, I'll bring you one. You definitely want to follow along with this one, my friend. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now, friends, I hope that by now, if you are a regular attender, you hear 1 Corinthians 15, there's two things that instantly come to mind. This is exactly the one place in the Bible where the gospel is clearly defined. And the rest of it is all about the resurrection. The resurrection chapter. So this morning, we're going to take a look at the Apostle Paul's first letter to the church at Corinth, specifically, again, chapter 15. And in this chapter, Paul addresses a belief that's made its way into the church, that there's no such thing as a resurrection. Now, you know that while Jesus was ministering on the earth, there were two particular groups that followed him around, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, you may not know much about them, but one thing you've got to remember about the Sadducees is they did not believe that there was a resurrection. That's why they were sad, you see. Everyone knows that joke. <laughs> but it's true. It's true. And so that belief had snuck into this church, and Paul needed to address it. And here in chapter 15, he does just that. And we are going to discover two enormous consequences of taking away the resurrection of Christ. Now, I'm not talking about enormous consequences for people that live in that unknown world somewhere across the globe. I'm talking about for you right here, right now. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul lays it out, and the first consequence, if the gospel is not true, is this, that the gospel message that you have heard endlessly at Family Bible Church and other places is patently false. If there is no resurrection, if Christ did not rise from the dead, then our gospel is false. Look at here in verse 1. Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel. That word gospel, we hear it. What, what does it mean? It's a, the, the Greek word is euangelion. Whenever you see a oo at the beginning of a Greek word, it means good. Angelion, you can almost hear the word angel in there. And what is an angel? But a messenger. See, so it is a good message. And what is the good message? Everybody say it. 
Christ died for our sin and rose from the dead. Paul lays it out here in 1 Corinthians 15. Look at here. Paul preached the gospel. I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you. And this very gospel that Paul preached, the church at Corinth, they believed it, which you received. They accepted it. They heard it. They did not turn their back on it, okay? They received it, and by which they are standing in. They took a position of, we hold this to be true, and by which you are being saved. Their response to the gospel resulted in salvation. What kind of response? Well, they received it. They accepted it as true, but they didn't stop there, my friends. By which you are being saved. (coughs) If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, and here comes the key word, unless you believed in vain. The only acceptable response to the gospel is faith. Belief. We are saved, that means forgiven of our sin, by faith in Christ. Saved from what? From the penalty of our sin, which you know is death, which is separation from God for all eternity. The Corinthians, they heard it from Paul. He had preached it. They heard it. They accepted it as true. They stood fast in it in their faith. And here, Paul lays out exactly what the gospel is. Take special note here, my friends, in verse 3. For I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received. And there are two statements that Paul is going to make. In each one of those statements, he'll give two pieces of evidence of the truthfulness of it. (coughs) The first, you will see, I deliver to you of first importance, which I also received. Here comes the first statement, that Christ died for our sins. Everybody say, Christ died for our sins. Okay, what does that mean? He died in our place. He died for our sins. He didn't die for his own sins. He didn't die to show us how to die. He died at paying the penalty that you and I owe God. And the penalty is death. So Christ died for our sins. Now here comes the two uh, uh, statements or uh, things that demonstrate the truthfulness of this. He says, Christ died for our sins. And the first evidence here he names is in accordance with the Scriptures. The Old Testament is chock full of prophecies and statements that point to the fact that Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, the word Messiah is the, uh, uh, the Hebrew version, and uh, the word Christ is the Greek version. It means the chosen one, the anointed one. So Messiah and Christ, same thing. He was the one that came, appointed to die for our sins. And you'll notice it was done in accordance with the scripture. Now, for example, Isaiah 53, verses 4 to 6. Listen to these words written hundreds of years before the events. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced. For our transgressions. Do you hear that? He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. 
And upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. And all we like sheep have gone astray, and we have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. All of these words, transgressions and iniquities, all of them point to our sin. Sin is rebellion against God. Sin is inherently selfish. Sin is the opposite of love. Love says, I will sacrifice things in my life, opportunities and energies for the good of you. I will step out of line and let someone else go first. That's an act of love. Now, what is the cost? Convenience. But it's a cost. And love can go huge, somebody giving a liver to someone else. I don't know if you can do that or not. I, my wife's a nurse, not me. I'm a theologian. But people, they, 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 they take part, they have parts of their bodies taken out and given to someone else. No greater love has any man, Jesus says, than he laid down his life for a friend. The ultimate. And that is exactly what Christ did. He died for our sins, for your sin and mine. So that's evidence number one. The Bible says so. I mean, we just read it, this, this unbelievable description of what is clearly Christ at the cross. But I want, you to tell, I want you to know this, my friends. There's a second bit of evidence that Christ had died. And it is in this most unusual term. In verse 4, it says, and he was buried. Now, how is that evidence that anyone died? Well, it makes perfect sense because you don't bury live people. Or again, you shouldn't. Christ died for our sins just as the Scripture said he would. And he was buried. And then comes the second part of this phrase. Don't miss this, friends. The first part is what? Christ died for our sin. The second part laid out here at the end of verse 4 is that he was raised on the third day. Raised from what? From the dead. And notice two bits of evidence here. Something similar in accordance with the scriptures, yet that's repeated once again, just as God had told through the prophets ahead of time. I will send the Messiah, and he will come and suffer on behalf of people. He will die for the iniquities, the sins of others. Psalm 16 says, 16.10 is certainly one of those examples would not let his soul lie in Sheol. Everybody say Sheol. Then everybody say, what does that mean? <laughs> it means the grave. Remember Christ died and they buried him? Yeah. Put him in a tomb. <whistles> Downward path, stone rolled. Yeah, this guy's dead. How do we know he died? They buried him. Just as the scripture had said. If you read on in Isaiah 53, it continues on with the very same thing. And so evidence that Christ had risen from the dead. The first is the scripture said he would, and he did. And the second is this in verse 5, and we like this kind of evidence. So he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, 
and that he appeared. In other words, people saw him. They saw him die. Great crowds had cried out, crucify him. And they did, and they watched it. They yelled out insults. He said he was the son of God. Let God save him. And they watched him die. Those hours of agony on the cross. And when he rose from the dead, people saw him. Look, he appeared, verse 5, to Cephas. That's Peter. Think of Peter. And then to the 12. So he saw, he was seen by one person, then by 12 people. And then, (coughs) verse 6, he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. And then Paul adds, Most of them are still alive. Go and ask them, did you see the risen Christ? We did. He rose from the dead. You may recall, I will not believe it's him until I put my fingers in the nail prints, the side of his body. Is it really him? Is it an illusion? Were they having such great grief, all 500 of them at the same time? Evidence that Christ had risen from the dead. This is the gospel, and Paul is laying it out. Two statements. Christ died for our sin and rose from the dead. Now, you and I, let's face it, and uh, you know, for much of my life growing up in the church, I heard Christ died for our sin, and I thought that was the gospel. Christ died for our sin. Then I read the Bible, and there's more. <laughs> Part two of the gospel is that Christ rose from the dead. Now, my friends, this, and he appeared, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one, most time, and at one time, and most of them are still alive. There's some have fallen asleep. That doesn't mean they took a nap. It's a euphemism for death. And then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, Paul says, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. And then Paul goes on to talk about himself a little bit, as Paul tends to do. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle. Why, Paul? Because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And this grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. (laughs) Though it was not I, but the grace of God that is in me. And whether then it was I or they, so we preached... And so you believed. But if Christ is not raised, this is nonsense. It is not something to give your life to, to trust an eternity on. If you believe that Christ died for our sin and rose from the dead and it's not true, you are wasting your life here. You might just as well get up and go home. Well, my friends, here comes the second point of what we lose if Christ is indeed not risen. You will notice in verse 12 it begins, if Christ, if Jesus is not risen, our faith is worthless. Our faith is worthless. Listen to Paul's argument. He says if there is no resurrection, which was, of course, the argument, then Christ is not raised. I mean, there either is a resurrection or there isn't. (coughs) Sorry about that. 
It's an annoying cough, if you haven't noticed. Now, verse 12, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And I know at this point you're like, okay, so, so what difference does it make if Christ is risen from the dead? Is it really just about because the Bible says so or there's something else at stake here? Again, notice here in verse 14, if Christ is not raised, your faith is in vain. You know what that means? It's empty. You got nothing. And you know what faith is? Faith is not faith in faith. Walt Disney is faith with, in faith. Just believe and you can fly. Close your eyes first, though. Can you feel it? Can you feel it? That's not faith. Faith is a response to something that someone says. And you accept it as true and you act on it. That's faith. Your parents say, I'll be back at 5 p.m. Have it clean. So when do you begin? Well, if you don't believe they're coming back, then you don't start at all. Otherwise, you wait till about five minutes, too, for that 20-minute job. <coughs> well, if you're like I am, as a, was as a child. But notice, friends, if Christ is not raised, your faith is in vain. I mean, we are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And that means your faith is in vain. But notice as it continues on, and verse 17, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins, which means you are doomed. And if Christ is not raised, friends, there is no hope for us. We will die for our sin. We will be separated for God for all eternity, separated from his goodness, his kindness, his compassion, and his love. That, my friends, is hell. <coughs> if there is no resurrection, if faith is in vain and you're still in your sins, and if Christ is not reigned, if Christ is not raised, my friends, take note of this. There will be no reunions in heaven. You will not see your little puppy fluffy from childhood. You will not see your parents. As I'll tell you what, that is how we grieve differently. Because we have hope that we will see those we have loved, we have invested our life in, and they have invested so much in us. And because Christ died for our sin and theirs and is risen from the dead, we will see them again. But if Christ is not risen, you got nothing. They're gone. And that's it. Once gone, always gone, never to be seen again. Bible says so. Do you see what's at stake here? Do you see why Christ's resurrection matters? Why all of this is critical to us as believers. You take out the resurrection, you might as well throw the rest out. Notice here in verse 19, 
finally, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, look at what Paul writes here. We are of all people most to be pitied. If this is it, in this life only, then we are pitiful. We've wasted our time. We've believed a lie if Christ is not risen. But I stand before you here today and tell you that Christ is risen. And you will see those people once again. Don't know about those pets. Definitely not cats. (laughs) You know why I don't like cats? I've had one. (laughs) My friends, the resurrection of Christ is our hope. That there is an eternity, and by the way, that is the greatest motivation that we have. That this life is not it. That we will die, and we will be changed. Everything will be different. But look at here in verse 20. Thankfully, Jesus is risen. And notice verse 20. Because he is risen, you will one day rise from the dead. But in fact, Paul writes, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. He's the first. The first of many. For as by man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. In Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order. Christ first. Then at his coming, those who belong to Christ Wait, who belongs to Christ? Do you? I mean, if only those who belong to Christ will meet him and his coming, how will we know? We've laid it out here, friends, and you know the answer. You belong to Christ if you've heard this gospel, that Christ died in our place. He died for our sin, and he rose from the dead. You accept it as true, and you live in light of it. You live in hope, and you live differently. Those are the people who belong to him. So the fact is, everything we've just laid out is absolutely true if you have not put your faith in Jesus Christ. Accept these words, the words of God, not the stories of man, Accept what the word of God records accurately for us. That Christ died for your sin and rose from the dead. The very moment that you put your trust in him. What does that look like? Is there something to say? Faith is not saying. Saying may follow faith. Accept it as true. One of the actions that I took when I came to faith in Christ was I asked him to forgive my sin and give me a new life. And he did. So many in this room can tell the very same story about how my life, their life is changed because of faith in Christ. We live differently. We have different priorities. And we have set our hope not on the Michigan State football team, but in Christ. So because he is risen, you will one day rise from the dead if you've put your faith in him. And secondly, because he is risen, your labors are not in vain. I want you to hear this. Many of you have been 
serving Christ for many, many, many years. And dark days come and you wonder and it doesn't feel like anything really matters. I mean, what's the point of keep giving? Keep showing up and keep serving. Doesn't seem like anybody cares as much as you do. What's the point? Don't miss this. Paul talks about his own ministry. Why are we in danger every hour? Oh, yeah, they wanted Paul dead. I mean, they, they beat that guy. They stoned him. They shipwrecked him. They wanted Paul dead because he preached the gospel. <clears throat> I protest, brothers, but my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die Every day. What do I gain if, humanly speaking, I fought with beasts at Ephesus? They threw them to the lions. If the dead are not raised, well, what's the point if the dead are not raised? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. You've heard that before. And it's true. If Christ is not risen, friends, go get some drugs, go get some alcohol. Leave your family and go have some fun. What's the point? But he is risen. And all of it matters. Everything matters. Every thought, every decision, every action, it all matters. So because Christ is risen, you must labor on. Look at verse 50. I tell you this, brothers. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. He's talking about death here, friends. But we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye and at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. And we shall be changed. For the perishable body must put on imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. And when the perishable puts on him, the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because Christ is risen, those of us who have put their faith in Christ have a date with eternity. We will live eternally. That's why they call it eternal life. And this is the gift that those who put their faith in Christ have. And here it is in verse 58 which is of great, great, great encouragement to me, and I hope it is for you. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. All of it matters. So let's wrap it up, shall we? Sermon in a sentence. The fact that Jesus died for our sin and has risen from the dead is the best news you'll ever hear because it changes everything. <coughs> so know these three things, my friend. Understand that without Christ, you are doomed. You stand condemned and you will spend an eternity with God 
suffering, no grace, no compassion, no goodness. There was no kindnesses. Anything that makes life worth living or bearable is gone. That is hell. No, you would... <laughs> Yeah, me and my friends, though, we'll go to hell, but we're going to hang out and party and nonsense. There is hate, evil, and sin, separate from all goodness, separate from all things that are God. Hear me. If you do not have your faith in Christ, hell is your destiny. Let that one fall for a moment. None of these promises are for you outside of Christ. Nothing. This is not about church membership. You never heard me say it once. This isn't about how much offering you put in a plate. The only issue is what will you do with the gospel? Christ died for our sins. He rose from the dead. Will you trust him? Will you live for him? And secondly, put your trust in Christ, death and resurrection. The good news is this, Christ died for our sins and he rose from the dead. And Because of it, all those who trust in him have hope of eternity. And thirdly, for those of you who have known this, we heard this so many times. Why don't you start telling some people about it? Share the good news. I tell you what, if they were giving away free hams for Easter, you'd have told someone. What we have here, friends, is the good news of an eternity in God's love, in his presence. A wonderful reunion of all of those who have gone on before us. Share it with someone else. Let's pray together. God, it is my hope and my prayer that even right now there are some people sitting in this room maybe who have heard it a thousand times but considering it for the very first time that they have a choice to make. Even now, perhaps the Spirit of God right now that you're, you're poking at their heart about this. They know they must do something. Give them the faith to trust in you. Christ is risen from the dead, and what hope that provides for us. Give us the faith not only to believe it, but to live it. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.